Bless them. Bless them. the Lord. Good morning, church. Welcome. Praise God. It's so good to see everyone this morning. It's always good to be in the house of the Lord. Welcome to Pleasant Grove Assembly of God. I hope you come expecting to meet with the Lord today. What a blessed people we are. Amen. We're a blessed people that we serve a living God, that we serve a loving God. He's a God that's near. Amen. Amen. He's not a God that's far away, but he's a God that's near. He's a God that's here this morning and he's worthy of our praise. We're going to worship the Lord this morning. Uh, I just have an announcement. Don't forget, we have a, a special missionary going to be with us on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Uh, the Wojtoviches, who are missionaries to Ukraine, will be ministering on Wednesday night. So you don't want to miss that. Come and let's hear how God is using them in their ministry. And let's just uh, support missions, amen, by coming out, praying. And uh, it's so good. Uh, to be able to have missionaries come and encourage us and strengthen us in what God's doing throughout the world. Amen? So many times I think we, we, we get to looking in our, in our area around us and we lose our... But it helps keep us uh, uh, in perspective, right? God, is He cares about the whole world. Amen? And He's not willing that any would perish. But we want to bless His name this morning. Uh, I wanted to share with you also, many of you know uh, Sister Bobby, or actually it's Sister Barbara Brown. Uh, yes, yeah, she went to be with the Lord this week. She was a Sunday school teacher here for many years at Pleasant Grove. And uh, so we want to remember her family and uh, praise the Lord. Will you stand this morning? Oh, as we open in prayer this morning, we want to turn our heart to the Lord this morning, our focus to Him. Hallelujah. Psalms 150 says, Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Amen. Let's do that this morning. Let's praise Him. He's worthy. Heavenly Father, we love You this morning. Lord, we thank You, Lord, for another day, Lord God, that we can come to Your house, that we can lift our praises to You today, Lord God. Father, You're worthy of our praise, Lord God. And we ask You, Lord, to fill us afresh with Your Holy Spirit. Let Your glory fall. Inhabit the praises of Your people this morning, Lord, as we lift our song to You. In Jesus' name, Amen.
love you with our faith firmly settled in you and who you are and what you have done. We are a confident people. We are a praising people. We are a people that know it's been settled. It is finished. And we place our faith, our hope, our confidence fully in you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for what you've done and we thank you for what you promised to do. And we are assured that the work you began, you will complete it in each one of our lives. And in that we find great peace, comfort, and love. Now we pray, Lord, speak to us through your word. Let us leave different than what we came. Take us beyond a ritual. Take us beyond just an exercise of religious discipline. Speak to us. Touch us. Impart divine life to us. In Jesus' name and all God's people said. God bless you. You may be seated. Good morning. So good to see you and... If you have your Bibles, if you'd go to 1 Kings chapter 17, 1 Kings chapter 17, we want to continue in our series of sermons from the life of the prophet Elijah. This morning we'll talk about part two at Zarephath, the advanced school of faith. Amen. 1 Kings 17, let's begin with verse 7. 1 Kings 17, verse 7, sometimes later the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I've commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the town, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you please um, bring me a little water in a jar so I can have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called in, "Um, Bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied. I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home, make a meal for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not be afraid. You go home and do as you have said, but first, make a small cake of bread for me from what you have. Bring it to me, then go ahead, make yourself something, make your son something. For this is the... Word of the Lord. The jar of flour will not be used up. The jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. So she went away and did as Elijah had told her. And so there was food every day for Elijah, for the woman, for her family. For the jar of flour was not used up. The jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word the Lord had spoken by Elijah. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. We pray, Father, thank you for your word. Give us ears to hear and hearts to receive in a faith that responds in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, <clears throat> amen. Are we good in the back? Are we, we got this thing rolling today? Amen. Praise the Lord. I like to know. Sometimes I get done, they tell me it didn't take. Well, I want to make sure it takes. If not, I'll reserve my strength for the second time. But anyway, we have a, we're in the midst of a sermon series from the life of Elijah. The life of Elijah, the fiery prophet of God. And now Elijah was sent to the Lord to confront and to address the backsliding of Israel, their idolatry, their breaking of covenant loyalty. And um, King Ahab, and as most of us know, that evil Queen Jezebel, as Queen Jezebel had attempted to stamp out all worship to the Lord and replace it 
with worship to a false and vile God by the name of Baal. But God sends his servant to declare a drought is coming. God's going to shut up the heavens as a sign of his displeasure and his judgment. So Elijah goes, and after he obeys the Lord and he he, um, courageously confronts the king, he declares God's word, then immediately God sends Elijah first to the brook. We studied that, the brook Cherith. And for one whole year, he drank from the brook, and those ravens came twice a day, every day, and provided for him. We said it was a place of um, protection and preparation for God's servant. But then the brook dries up. And from there, the word of the Lord comes again, saying, Okay, now go to Zarephath, where I have commanded a widow right there to take care of you. Now, last week we covered part one, the purpose of Zarephath. We studied the purpose. We looked at the meaning of its name. We said that this was the crucible of God's preparations. Zarephath means crucible. Now, a crucible is where uh, metals are melted down that they might be purified and they might be shaped, that they might be formed for their intended purpose. So here, this would be a place, it would be a type of spiritual crucible in its role in preparing God's servant and readying him for his ultimate task. So, this morning, let's look and continue to look at some ancient, uh, right now, lessons from an ancient story. Last time we said, number one, the requirements of faith often seem illogical. The requirements of faith often seem illogical. We see that in verses 8 and 9. The way God leads us, the requirements of the Lord as we walk this walk of faith don't always um, make sense to the natural mind or feel good to the natural man, but God uses them to develop us and mature us to Teach us obedience and trust to burn away the control, to burn away the know-it-alls, to take out fear and replace it with real faith. Now, in a normal walk with God, we get saved. And as we begin to walk with God, trying to please the Lord and walk by faith, God calls us and the Word of the Lord comes to us. It comes through the written Word. It comes through the Holy Spirit. And often God will call us to live in a way that, quite frankly, might not make sense to the natural mind. Might not feel good. For instance, when God says, forgive. Or God says, show mercy. You might say, I just, I don't see that. I don't feel that at all. We live in a present generation, quite frankly, where they've been so indoctrinated by the culture that there are certain behaviors and lifestyles. They have a hard time wrapping their head around the fact that God considers it an abomination because they've just been raised that everything's okay. And so when we come to God, I'm trying to tie Elijah into today, when you get saved and God calls you to walk obediently before the Lord and obey that book, sometimes when God leads us, written word or Holy Spirit within, sometimes it doesn't make sense to the natural mind. And a lot of times it doesn't feel good to the natural man. Can you say amen? Separation doesn't feel good. Giving doesn't always feel good. Humility, trusting God. These things don't always make sense or feel good to the natural man. In Elijah's case, The requirements of faith, the way God was leading him, seemed illogical. The path he was asked to take, illogical. The place he was asked to go, illogical. The person he was to look for, for help, illogical. The path, we said, is 100 miles in open territory, not going away from Baal worship, but heading into the center of town. It was open place, and he's a wanted man, and the king wants his head. That's not very smart. I mean, Cherith was a good place to hide. Amen. But Zarephath, Lord, now the path. 
God said to take didn't make sense. But how many know the best place you could ever be is the center of God's will? Sometimes we miss out on the blessing because we get too much here instead of obeying, let's say, at the Lord. The place, again, the place God was sending him. Listen, if we're Elijah, we want to be about as far away from Zarephath as we can get. Zarephath is Jezebel's hometown. That's where her dad's the king and the head priest. That's where Baal worship started and flourished. It's headquarters. And he's the one. He's not going to find much sympathy there in the natural. Say, Lord, I want to go the opposite direction. The place was illogical and certainly the person was illogical. He needs help and God sends him to a widow, not a rich widow, a widow that's poor and destitute, unable to help herself. She's not even from Israel. It's like, Lord, are you sure you're hiding me where? The requirements of faith often seem illogical. God's ways are different than our ways. He gets the glory. We get the development. But faith must obey even when the word is uncomfortable or illogical. But when we do things God's way, we'll partake of God's blessing. Can you say amen? So that was last time. The requirements of faith often seem illogical, but it pays to obey God. Number two, the response of faith should always be immediate. You notice in verses 9, nine and 10, verse 9, go at once to Zarephath. And stay right there. He arose and he went. You know, many promotions, many blessings, many promises are lost because of procrastination and hesitation on the human end. Beware of the danger of delay. You can't think about obedience forever. God wants you to do it. God wants you to act on it. Now, I'm not promoting being hasty or, or somehow irresponsible or impulsive or rash, but i got to remember this about your walk of faith. When we walk by faith, God works on both ends of the process. When we walk by faith, God is working on the other end. And if I'm not in step and in sync with the Spirit, I miss out on God's best. Because God's not going to wait forever for you and I to decide we're going to respond and do what He's told us to do. This is one of the many reasons why prompt obedience is so important. There's many examples of this throughout the Word of God. But notice in this story, God speaks to Elijah, and at the same time, He's preparing a widow. God's working on both ends. Again, God has timings and God has seasons. God has doors open, then God closes doors. There is an expiration date on promises. We've got to realize that. We just can't put things off till it's more convenient to us. God says, that's insulting. That grieves my spirit. When God speaks, He desires a people that will say, yes, Lord. When we read it in the book and we understand it, He expects us to say, yes, Lord. Because God is going to work on both ends of our lives. God will work. And God is working on the other end. So if I do my part, and I do it God's way and God's time, I can be confident that God's going to do His part. If I obey the Word of God, if I obey that conscience, I obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit, I can position myself to receive. And remember, we've said again and again, place matters. The place matters over and over in this story. God says, and I'll, I'll the ravens will go there. And I've commanded a widow there. And better get right there because if you're not in my there, you, you can't, you can't claim my blessing and my promise to its fullest. So when we position ourselves to receive by obeying God immediately, we allow God to bless us because behind the scenes, God's working. In the hearts of others, God's working. In our present and in our future, God's moving in circumstances. 
God is working and God is weaving and God is assembling things and God is orchestrating His will and His desire for our lives. We have to remember the God we serve, He's the God that makes things happen, but it's our prompt obedience that keeps us in step with the Spirit of God so we can walk in that blessing. So the key here is respond immediately to the Word of God. Don't put it off for procrastination, hesitation, is a dream, destiny, and promotion killer. It's a tool of the devil to grieve the Spirit of God and rob the people of God of blessings and promotions and advancements and accomplishments for eternity. It'll grieve the Spirit within our lives. Especially when we're talking about topics like salvation. Don't put it off. Don't put off getting right with Christ. Don't play with your eternal soul. That's nothing to play with. Don't procrastinate. Come to Jesus today. Don't, don't hesitate. Respond to the mercy of God and get saved and live right today. It's so important in salvation. Listen, it's important in repentance. Many people not living right. They know they're not living right. But they put it off and they put it off. And I want you to know, the more you put off obedience when you know you're living wrong and the conviction of the Spirit is there, the more you put it off, the easier it gets to live that way. Media obedience. How many people will be in hell because they didn't respond when God was gripping their heart, God was dealing with them in a strong way, but they said no instead of responding? You keep saying no, it gets easier to say no. You keep making excuses for subpar living, it gets a lot easier just to live that way. Because the more we hesitate, the more callous we get. As opposed to being tender, we get callous. When the Spirit's voice is dealing with us, it's important that we be quick to respond to the promptings of the Spirit. When we read in the book something that is clearly written, unmistakable, we need to obey the commands and the principles of the Bible and not insult the Spirit of grace. There's a danger in delay. Many people lose their salvation because they didn't respond. Never received Christ. Many have lost callings and things God wanted them to do. But they put God off till they retired. They put God off till a more convenient time. And they didn't say yes to God. Dr. Sweeting writes in his book, Special Sermons for Special Days. He writes, several years ago, my family and I visited Niagara Falls. It was spring and the ice was rushing down the river. And as I viewed these large blocks of ice flowing toward the falls, I could see that the carcasses were filled with dead fish. And the seagulls were coming from all over. And they were just riding down the river and just having a feast. They were just eating and having themselves a time. And as the Ice got to the brink of the falls. Their wings would go out and they'd escape the falls. Now, I watched one seagull and he said, this seagull seemed to delay and I wondered when it would ever leave. It was engrossed in the carcass of the fish and when it finally came to the brink of the falls, out went those powerful wings and the bird flapped and flapped and even lifted the ice out of the water and I thought it would escape, but it had delayed too long. Its claws had become frozen to the ice and the weight of the ice was too great and the gulf plunged into the abyss. Dr. Sweeting goes on to write, the finest attractions of this world become deadly when we become overly attached to them. They may take us to our destruction if we cannot give them up. And as Sweeting observed, oh, the danger of delay. We learn from the widow's Zarephath, if you're going to walk by faith, you've got to walk obediently 
immediately when God speaks and when God moves. Don't hesitate. Don't procrastinate. It's costly. Number one, the requirements of faith often seem illogical, but we can trust God's Word, can we not? Number two, the response of faith should always be immediate. It might not be convenient. It might not be according to our timetable. But God says, I'm Lord. Amen. You walk by my timetable. I don't walk by your timetable. And obey the Lord. Number three, the results. The results of faith will be instructive. If we'll have a teachable spirit, we can grow constantly. Amen. If you have a constant, if you have a teachable spirit, you, you can grow in the factory. You can, you can learn. You can learn outdoors, indoors. You can learn if you've got a teachable spirit. As we walk with God, life is full of lessons. And the more we walk with God, the more we should learn. Let's look in the results of faith being instructive. Let's look at two tests and four lessons that we glean from this little story. Number one, we see the test of first impressions. The test of first impressions. Never underestimate first impressions. They're often a test. God, give us the vision of faith. God, give us the vision of faith. Elijah gets to the city and he sees this woman and surprise, surprise. I mean, God couldn't mean this one. I mean, she can't even care for herself. God sends me all this way into Jezebel's hometown through all this dangerous territory. The army's looking for me. My face is on every wanted post and every post office and in Zarephath and everywhere else. And, and, and at least he's got to have some rich widow woman and she's got property I can hide out in and food stuff she can give me. And he looks, my can't be her. Watch first impressions. How many times? It's not what I expected. I figured it would... I thought they would look different and preach different. I thought they would... Uh. We miss God because we're too caught up on us. People often miss God and His instruments and His opportunities when they fail the test of first impressions. Remember the prophet said, don't despise the day of small beginnings. And again, the disciples, remember when they explained just a couple fish and a few loaves? What is this among so many? First impressions, they didn't recognize God was in it. God was going to do something special. You see, when I have preconceived ideas and envisioning something else, it can cause me to reject God's plan. Because I miss God, I can't recognize the hand of God. You know, John the Baptist, well, he, he didn't look right. And Jesus, He didn't act right. But how many know they were both the instruments of God, missed by and rejected by the ones he, they were sent to? Later on in our story, we'll see how Elijah, he, he sees a, a cloud so small, it's described as the size of a man's hand. That's pretty small. But yet, because he, he, he's going to pass, first, he's not going to see a little cloud. He's going to see the answer that they've been waiting for for years. He's going to see the breakthrough of God coming on that cloud. God, give us the vision of faith. Give us the ability not to walk into everything with our preconceived ideas. I don't like it. They don't like it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that keeps many people of growing. Because if you're waiting for everything to line up perfectly to the way you like it, you'll never get very far in the things of God. But most of the time, God gives you something you don't like because it works on you to bring you to the place that God desires you to be. Can you say amen? Test of first impressions. Number two, we see the test of physical impossibilities. The woman has almost nothing. And he asks for provision in all that she can see impossibility. 
All she could see a little flour, a little oil, a drought, a famine. They're dropping like flies all around me. Everyone's dying. All she could see, impossibility. But Elijah's growing in faith. I mean, his eyes are no longer fixed on the impossibility. They're fixed on the God who provides and the God whose promises can always be trusted. (laughs) That's the way to live. That's the physical impossibility. Remember, he just came from Cherith. Remember that for a full year. He had seen the faithfulness of God. He saw those ravens come twice a day, every day for an entire year. He witnessed God's Word and God's promises have never failed. Oh, let's thank God for the ravens this morning. Do you remember the ravens in your life? I mean the times of God's faithfulness and goodness that have kept you through the years, that have come through for you again and again. The ravens of God, when it seemed like, where would help come from? I lift up mine eyes to the hills. Whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. When everything down here is sinking sand, there is a God in heaven who watches over His people continually. He meets their needs. He comes to their aid. God still has His ravens. Oh, blessed be His name. The ravens of God. The seasons and times in our life when God has come through for us and God has taken care of us. He's bailed us out of that. He's brought us through that. Oh, what a good God we serve. Let me suggest to you that you never forget your ravens. Remember the ravens in your life and let the memories of God's faithfulness of yesterday give you power and courage to face your today. Whatever you're facing right now, I want you to know the devil is a liar and your God is faithful and His Word is true. And the One that brought you through all that other stuff, He hasn't changed and He hasn't gotten weak or weary. He's still with you. He's still for you. And He'll still bring you through. Somebody say Amen. Oh, he's passed in this test of impossibility because he knew a God that was greater than any trial, any storm, or any tribulation that man must face. He knew there was a God that said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake me. He knew there was a God that still makes a way even when there seems to be no way. He knew there was a God that could meet every need, overcome every adversary. A God that said, you're the apple of my eye. And I love you with an everlasting love. Oh, we praise God that He is still the God of the impossible place. And His promises can still be trusted. And He is still the one that is ever taking good care of His people. He'll make a way and He'll meet the need. And those of us that have walked with God, we can testify. Oh, our God will bring us through regardless of what we're facing. He'll meet our needs. He'll be our defender. He'll give us the peace even in the midst of life's storms. I love it, David. He remembered it. David testified, I've been young and now I'm not so young. But through it all, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed begging bread. Hallelujah. The results. All right. The results of faith will often be instructed. We learn so far. Look out. Those first impressions. When we walk by faith, that first impression is often a test. You want me to go where? There's not much hope there. It looks like a better possibility over there. I don't like that. I want a more. God said, I didn't ask you. I asked you to go and open your heart and give an ear and receive. And there's a test of physical impossibilities. 
If you walk by faith, that faith's got to grow. It can't grow if it don't get stretched. It can't grow if you don't put some more weight on that bar. Can you say amen? Being curling 10 pounds long enough, God said, we got to put another plate on this baby. And that's how faith grows. There's another challenge to believe God. There's another test to stand firm, trusting the Lord and watching God come through. And God comes through and your faith grows. Isn't that right? I mean, those of us that have walked with God, our faith has to be stronger now than it was when we started. We've gone through so many things and we can testify God is good. God is trustworthy. His Word can be trusted. Amen. Now notice four lessons from this widow. Four lessons from this widow. Number one, from this lady, we can learn how to possess our possessions. How to possess our possessions. How to secure our possessions. How do you secure it? You give it to God. How do you secure your soul? You give it to God. How do you secure your, 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 your life, your possessions, your future? You give it to God. You give it to God. When Elijah met the widow of Zarephath, she was locked in the clutches of a handful of flour and a tiny bit of oil. All she had. And we can sympathize with her. There might be some that can identify with her. Certainly Elijah's heart goes out to her. But the difference was, Elijah knew something she didn't know. He knew that the way to have or secure what you have and to have it to the fullest is to always put God first in everything. That's why he said, make me a cake first. He's teaching her this. Put me, give me a cake first. In other words, he's saying, listen, trust God by putting Him first. And then watch what He does. Trust God by putting Him first. And watch what He does. This is the principle of the open hand. When you're clutching no one's going to take it out, but God can't put much in. Amen? But when it's open, God can take what He wants and He can bless as He likes, you see? This is connecting with God. The story starts out, she's clutching, she's despairing, she's destitute, she's desperate, but then after the Word of God comes, oh, this wonderful. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word. Those that are hurting need to hear a word of hope. Those that are in lack need to hear a word of blessing. Those that are lost need to hear a word of purpose in life and reality. The Word of God must go forth to those in darkness that they might see the glorious light of the Gospel and have their lives transformed. But here it is. She's, she's clutching. She's desperate. She's getting ready to die. But then after the Word of God comes. See, lives are changed when they hear the Word of God. Regardless of what their scenario, it's the Word that will bring hope. It's the Word that will bring, bring life to where there was death. After she hears the Word, she's giving. In a famine? Yeah, even in a famine. Because when you hear that Word, faith comes alive. When you hear from God, something within us comes alive to believe. She hears God's Word and now she's giving. Yeah, she's more than giving. She's releasing. More than releasing. She's receiving. In a famine? In a famine. Nothing can limit the Lord from blessing His people. She's getting blessed in a famine. The others are dying. The others are having to sell off everything they have to get by another day. Not her. Why? She's connected with God. She's learning to put God first. 
She's learned to position herself in a way where God Almighty is going to take care of her every day, every hour. She's receiving in the midst of a famine. How many of you know the Lord makes a difference? Can you say amen? Everybody goes through stuff. The good go through stuff. The bad go through stuff. But those that know Jesus, those that walk with the Lord, the Lord makes a difference. Don't ever forget that. You're going to go through it, the good, bad, and the ugly. We all go through heartache. We all go through hard times. It's part of being in a fallen, sin-cursed world. But those that know the Lord shall be strong and do exploits in the midst of it. Those that know the Lord, we go through it in a different way. We don't got to backslide just because you got a bad report. We don't got to get ugly just because God's not doing things the way I think He ought to do things. As if He needs me as His counselor. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I can't counsel myself. I'm going to counsel the Almighty. But everyone goes through it. But the Lord makes the difference. The Lord makes the difference. One more time. The Lord makes a difference. Put Him first. Trust His Word. And you'll know that He's with you. You'll sense that peace. You'll recognize that presence. Though I can't avoid it, I've got a Savior that goes with me through it. And that makes all the difference. I think about it in the store. She don't even know God. But then the Word of God came. There's a lot of people who don't know God. We've got to tell them the Word of God. Amen? There's a lot of people in desperate, dire straits. But the Word of God brings hope and life. Takes away that darkness. And the Word begins to produce in their hearts. And as they respond to that Word, whoo! See, God's Word is not controlled by the economy. God's Word is not controlled by the external. God's Word functions in the midst of all that mess. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Open hands and a surrendered heart. Be open-handed with God. Be open-handed with God. So, how we learn how to possess our possessions. Now, we learn how to prepare for the future. How do you prepare for your future again? You give the now to God. You want to prepare for the future? Give the now to God. Before she gave, she got ready to die. Now she's got unlimited supply. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? She get ready to die now. She got connected with the Almighty. She, she got in line with the Lord. Amen? Look out, look out, look out. She got connected with the living God. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 9, 7 and 8. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 and 8. Now for those that want to study 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, those chapters talk a lot about giving. They'll encourage you and they'll instruct you in how to walk in this blessing. But here we just, just notice this here. Um, Paul writes, each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give. God's not going to twist anyone's arm. God's not going to, you just got to make up your mind. I'm going to obey God. Amen. I'm going to put God first. And each man give what he's decided is hard to get. Not reluctantly. God said, I'm not into that. Oh, don't be feel like you're under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful what? Giver. But now, once we give, and we heard the word, and I'm going to respond to that word, I'm going to give, it connects me with the eternal. God is now, we, we, we in partnership here. We in covenant here. Let's look at the next verse. Seven and eight. Seven, seven, eight comes after seven. Amen? Alright, this is context. And God is able. Now God, God wasn't able before I got doing my part. What do you mean God can't do it? Listen. God's not gonna break His word. God can do it. God's not, God's gonna, God is able to make all grace abound where? To who? To the one that gave? To the one that's will, cheerfully giving. 
Now, you got to get this. you got to get in line with God. You can't expect the blessing of God when you're out of step with God. Come on. we got to get real now. we got to get real. Now, first, verse 7 says, And God loves cheerful giver. The person from in their own heart decides, I'm going to obey the Word of God. And I'm going to do things God's way. And cheerfully does what I'm going to give, as God said. I'm going to give him my life. I'm going to give him my home. He said, I'm going to give him my talents. I'm going to give him my treasures. But when I do that, I'm connecting with God. I'm connect- I could keep it. She could have kept it. And that's all she would have had. She could have hung on to it and said, huh, you kidding? You're not getting my last meal. But she didn't realize in the release was her miracle. And now God is able to make all... Look, now, all notice all the alls. Notice all the alls. God is good. Amen? You can't outgive God. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. Anybody like all grace? I, I can handle some abounding grace. Anybody else? And I, I, I'll take it. I'll take your, pay, your portion if you don't want it. So, so that, so that, listen to that, so that in, in, in all things, at all times, you mean even in a pandemic? I said in all things, at all times. She's in a famine. I'm saying God, God's word and God's promises aren't limited by what the governor says. It doesn't say. Or I'm just saying we, we got to trust God and get to know this God and walk with this God and realize He's God. Amen. <laughs> and God is able to make all grace abound to you, to you. This talking to you, that will make you happy. So that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you'll abound in every good work. How do we get into that? Cheerful giving. How did she get into a perpetual miracle that lasted two full years by just obeying the Word of God and giving God what He asked. She just gave a little. God gave and gave. And you cannot give God. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Her future was bleak until she gave it to God. Whoa. You see, getting one's life properly aligned with God's order, with God's divine blueprint, Giving the Lord Jesus His proper place in one's life. That is the key. And when we put God first and give Him what is rightfully His, we can quit worrying about the future. We can quit worrying. Jesus said this. We can quit worrying about the future. And rest assured, God will take care of us. Let's look at that Matthew 6, 25. Matthew 6, 25 through 27. Let's just notice these words of Jesus. Comforting us, giving you and I an assurance that we have a Heavenly Father that's going to take good care of us. He's willing to take good care of us. Jesus says, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life. Don't stress out. But, 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 but. The widow could have gave a lot of but, 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 buts. Amen? Instead, she heard the Word and responded to the Word and she watched the blessing of God flow. Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat or drink, about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more important than food? Isn't the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't store in barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Your heavenly Father. And are you not much more valuable than they? Of course you are. You're made in His image. You're redeemed by His blood. You are worth much more than a bird or a deer or anything else, folks. And if He takes care of those things, won't He? Of course He will. Of course He will. Who I worry, don't worry. Jesus, don't worry. 
You've got a father that will care. But now what we're going to notice later on, the verse we're all familiar with, with Matthew 6 and 33, means just because I have a caring Heavenly Father that is more than willing to take care of me, it doesn't mean that I don't have my part to do. Because Matthew 6 and 33 is going to say, but seek first the kingdom and His righteousness, and that connects you to that fatherly care. As I give God His proper place in my life, that opens the door and that channel for that blessing to flow and keep on flowing. All right, let me keep going here. This woman learned how to possess or secure her possessions. She learned how to prepare for the future. And she did it by learning how to put God first. Verse 15 says, She went and did. Dr. Jeremiah writes, God will never be in debt to someone who puts Him first. And that's true, and that's true. Now, if you and I were to make a list of the areas that we feel we need to put God first in, I'm sure we could come up with a bunch. We could all come up with different ones. Now, for the sake of time, let me, let me give you five. Very quickly, I'll just, very quickly. Let me suggest five very important areas that we need to put God first in. Areas that will help us connect and cooperate with God. To position and align ourselves to receive from God. To build that house upon the rock. Building blocks for blessing. Number one, let's give God the first part of every day. How about that? Let's give God the first part of every day. And the scriptures you can write down. We don't have time to look them up. Um, Mary and Martha story. First part of every day. The secret to a good day? Start the day with God. Amen? It's the, that principle someone read, uh, fresh bread in the morning. Amen. This is the day the Lord has made. And we start our day by acknowledging and presenting the day to the Lord. We receive the bread of the God's Word. Acknowledge the Lord. Start your day with God. It'll get things going in the right direction. Let's give God the first part of every day. Secondly, let's give God the first day of every week. How about that? Now you notice, see, in the Bible, the early church worshipped on Sunday. Sunday is the Lord's Day. The Resurrection Day. That's from the early church. That's why we worship on Sunday. The book of Acts. In the Bible, the Christians worshipped on Sunday. Sunday is the Lord's Day. It's where the early church, the redeemed, would gather and worship the Lord. Let's start on the first day of every week. Let's give it to God. Let's honor God's house that He might honor our houses. Amen? Let's gather the redeemed. We gather. Why, why do we gather? We gather and we exalt the Lord. We gather together corporately and praise the Lord and love the Lord. That's why we're here. And then, not only do we exalt the Lord, but we encourage one another and we equip one another through the preaching of the Word, through the fellowship of the saints. We gather together on the Lord's Day, honoring, starting the week out right. Amen? And we gather together and we exalt the Lord. We encourage we equip, we edify one another, and then we leave here fueled and fed to evangelize our world, the function of the church. We're going to give the first part of every day to God. We want to give the first day of every week to God. Let us give the first portion of every increase to God. In your devotional time, you can read Malachi, that third chapter. And when you study that, it's interesting. Because God challenges them to give that tithe and that offering as they're supposed to. And He says, when you do, it'll bring God's protection and God's provision and God's pleasure on everything you have. 
He says it'll bring God's protection. Here's a phrase they use, um, King James, and I'll rebuke the devourer for your case. Back in those days, everybody was a farmer, you know what I mean? And God says, I'll rebuke all those pestilence. I'll rebuke all those diseases. And God says, listen, when you put me first, and when you honor me with your substance, you bring me into the equation, and I'll start to protect it. I'll start to guard it. I'll start to keep it. I will protect you, and I'll provide for you. He says, now, if you test me in this, he says, I'm going to open up windows and pour out blessings that you can't get. And God says, I will honor it by blessing it. And he says, I'll smile upon what you have. I'll make what you have. Go, go the distance. So let's, let's, let's give God the first part of every day. Start the day out right. Then let's give the first, God, the first day of every, every week. Let's honor God's house. Honor God's day. Let's start the week off right. Now let's give God the first portion of every increase. That way we're honoring God with our substance, recognizing it's by God's grace. I even got breath that I can earn a living. It's by God's grace. Amen? Every good gift comes from God. I'm going to honor God in that way. But God says when you honor me in that way, I'll bless that faithfulness. I'll bless that obedience. Number four, let's give God the first priority of every decision. The first priority of every decision. You see our verse there is in James. You know, in James, the fourth chapter... James addressed a group of Christian businessmen that weren't acting like Christian businessmen. And what I mean is this, when you read it, they were setting goals and they were carrying out plans and projects, but they didn't seek God for direction and or permission. One one, one commentator says they were acting like practical atheists. They were Christians, but their behavior was like a practical atheist. They were just going about like God didn't exist. And James says, hang on, hang on, hang on. You're running with all your plans. Have you acknowledged God? Have you sought God for his okay for this? Have you sought God about anything you do? You just go and do it. And then when things don't work out, oh, call the prayer line. No, 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 no. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own, but in all your ways. Acknowledge him before, you see. So let's give God the first priority of every decision. But James here says, wait a second, wait a second. Don't you realize that our life is like a vapor? Don't, don't you realize that we don't even know what tomorrow brings? This is what James is saying. So what we ought to be saying is, if it be God's will, I'll go and do that. I'll, I'll, you know, no, 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 no. That's where you're wrong. Because you're not your own. You belong to the Lord if you're a Christian. And sometimes the Word of God has to remind us that we make all these decisions. I used to tell one church that the only time I ever hear about time management is when it comes to God's house. We came to getting up four in the morning to go fishing. They, they don't worry about no time management. We got plenty of time. When it came about budgeting, oh, no, no, you know, we got a new four-wheeler, RV. We don't, no, don't worry about our budget. We got plenty. There's always something in there. When it comes to the things of God, say amen, say ouch. James talking to Christians, Christian businessmen that weren't acting like Christians because they were just caring about their lives without consulting God for His guidance or His permission. And, they were, and James has said, hang on, don't you realize we don't know what tomorrow brings. And our life is a vapor. We should all learn to say, Lord, if this is Your will, Father, this is what I'd like to do. Is this okay? You know everything. Lord, if it's not, you put the, the red light right here. Amen? Lord, if it's not, you, you help me to see this. Because I don't want to just go doing something and say, oh man, 
before, what, what, what do we say? You, you want to measure twice so you can cut once. Amen. Alright. Let's give God the first part of every day. Let's give God the first day of every week. Let's give God the first portion of every increase. Let's give God the first priority of every decision. Let's give God the first response to every conviction. Romans 8 and 14 says that sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. We're supposed to be led by the Spirit of God. Amen? If we're sons and daughters, we be led by the Spirit of God. And when God speaks to us, when the Spirit, whether it convicts me or prompts me, amen, encourages me, let us be quick to respond, to obey, and to act, agree with God. Keeping a tender heart and a quick response and a quick response. When this lady learned how to put God first, she then learned how to put God to work on her behalf. And you see verses 14, 15, and 16. Notice, notice that God, first of all, He asked for the little. And then He asked for the last. But He only asked for what she had. The question was never could she, but would she. When God asks you and I for something, it's never something that is not within our grasp. The question is never, I, 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 I can't. It's, I won't or I will. This woman had, again, she could have had a lot of excuses, but God starts out with wherever we're at in life, spiritually, naturally, you name it, and He wants faithfulness in the little. He wants faithfulness right where we're at. The lady said to Brother Shambach one time, I'm on a fixed income. He said, well, then let Jesus fix it, honey. Amen. <laughs> And there are a lot of reasons why we can't obey God and we can't move out in the things of God. But God asks for the little, desiring faithfulness. Then God asks for the last. But the key here is this. God just asked her what she did have. The question wasn't substance. It was willingness and obedience. But when she obeyed, when she obeyed, what can we say? Praise God from whom all biscuits flow. When she obeyed. Because response to God's Word determines effect from God's hand. My response to God's Word determines God's, yeah, yeah, God's effect, God's response to my life. Amen? Amen. You responded to the Gospel and got saved. Amen? And that God went. Alright, we'll go like that. Alright, let's wind this down. We love this story. It shows us you can't beat God-given. Amen? One act of obedience, a perpetual miracle for two years. That thing never... Someone says, why didn't God just fill the barrel? Then we'd be tempted to trust the barrel. Amen? But it just God, every day, every day, every day, God spoke, she responded, and the fulfillment and the promise was sure. Zarephath, advanced school of faith. Next time, Elijah and the God who raises the dead. But this week, let's get ready to pray. Let's get ready to connect with God. Let's, um, let's respond to what God is saying to us as individuals, as families. Let's apply our lesson. Let's apply our lesson. Are there things in your life that maybe the first impressions got you off kilter? Well, reroute. Or whatever. Recalibrate. Is that the word? And start afresh. Maybe you're facing an impossibility. Well, remind yourself. God's brought you through a lot of impossible 
in tough places all these years of walking with Him. Amen? And we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that. When God speaks, let's learn to be quick and obey and give God first of all these various areas. Because in putting God first, we position ourselves for His blessing, for His smile, for that amazing grace that we all desire. Amen? All right, we're going to pray our prayer. We're going to pray our prayer. If you're listening to this at home and you're not saved, now's your time to get saved. Don't play with your soul. Give it to the Lord. Come to Christ. Stop putting it off. If you're not where you need to be with God, remember, there's danger in delay. Make it right before it's too late and it costs you and you can't get it back. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank You for the many wonderful and helpful lessons of faith we found in this story. Father, help us to put Your Word first. Help us to put You first. And help us, Lord, to respond to Your voice immediately, Father. Let nothing sever our connection, our close abiding with You. But help us, Lord, as we endeavor to walk obediently and build our house on that rock. Help us to give You Your proper place in every area of our lives so that we might enjoy that abounding grace and we might enjoy that flow of Your Spirit and Your peace and Your presence. Now, Father, I pray for those that are here, those that need a touch from God. Father, I pray for those that need a physical touch. Father, in Jesus' name, heal them right where they sit. Heal them right where they sit. Father, in Jesus' name, release Your healing power to the hurting, to the weary, to the hungry, to the thirsty. Father, fill them. Renew their strength. Give them right now a touch of vitality and strength and courage. Father, I pray that You would just work powerfully in lives throughout the week. Throughout the week. Holy Spirit, remind them. Holy Spirit, speak to them. Throughout the week, Holy Spirit, grant divine appointments. Bring about God-ordained conversations. And use your dear ones to speak that word of hope to so many around us that are hurting and struggling and need to hear the word of God. Use your people as your mouthpieces to declare your good word of hope and healing in Jesus Christ. Bless them and use them in Jesus' name and all God's people said. God bless you. Have a great week. See you on Wednesday.